three Psalms tonight because we're going to close out the second book of Psalms. Psalms, as I mentioned at the very beginning in the introduction, is broken up into five different books or five segments. And this ends the last book. So we're going to start in, verse, in uh, Psalm 70 and we'll go to 72. So if you would turn there and we'll jump right in. Continuing to see how David just delivers to us what he received from the Lord through, through the, the Psalms, through his times of difficulty, his times of suffering, his times of joy, his times of repentance, of, of sin. He covers everything, everything that he went through, everything that we as men and women go through on this earth is covered in the Psalms and, and, the, and the Proverbs too. They're very practical. So starting in verse 1, we're going to just read right through it. It's only five verses. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame, who say, Aha, aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. So, here, right in the, in the first verse, to bring to remembrance, to bring to remembrance, what do we need to remember about the Lord? And why do we need to remember? Why do we need to be reminded? Why are some scriptures, why do some scriptures sound familiar? Why do some psalms repeat themselves maybe a couple of different times throughout the whole book of psalms? Why do some psalms sound familiar? Why, do, why does David go over repeating the same themes? Because we forget. We're just forgetful people. We forget God's grace. We forget His goodness. We forget when we're going through good times, we forget our suffering. When we're going through difficult times, we forget the good times. We're just really just forgetful. So David here is trying to encourage us to bring to remembrance to bring to remembrance. So we're just going to go through a few of the things in this psalm, and obviously this is going to be a quickie, a few of the things that David wants us to remember. Remember how God quickly delivered you from past difficulties. Although it may have seemed like it took an eternity to get through certain things, we can look back on what he's taken us through and say, God, thank you for being gracious. Thank you for not prolonging that difficulty for even longer. Although when I was going through it, I felt as if it was going on forever and it would never end, I look back now and I realize it was just a short time in my, in my entire life 
that I went through that difficulty. And how often we look at our difficulties when we're going through them and we say, this is never going to end. This just seems like it's going on forever and ever. And then we get through it, just like everything else, we get through it and we look back and we say, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad. It, it, it wasn't as long as I, I thought it was. So remember how quickly God delivers you. Remember how he answered prayer. Maybe keep a journal of your prayers like some people do. Just remember when you pray for something and then go back and jot down the answer to that prayer. And then refer back to those things and say, God, how faithful you were to answer my prayers. You hear me, you, you respond, and you answer. And how awesome that is. And something, again, we, we want to always bring to remembrance. Verse 2, remember how he avenged our adversaries. Remember how when people are coming against us, if we just lift those things up to the Lord, you know, because we're not to defend ourselves, God will defend us. And remember the times that he's, he has defended us against those who come against us. And certainly David had his enemies, his political enemies, his, his uh, national enemies. He certainly had those. Even some that he called friends that turned out to be enemies. Even some that he called family that turned out to be enemies. So we can, again, we can relate to all of those things. But remember how he turned them back and confused them who desired our hurt. Verse 3, remember God's faithfulness to judge those who come against us. He will judge them. We don't have to. We can give it to the Lord and say, God, I'm putting this person in your hand. He's coming against me for no reason. He doesn't know you, Lord. I give him over to you. I don't want to take vengeance. I, I put it in your hands and then allow God to just be faithful which he always, he always will. And then remember to rejoice in the Lord because of his salvation. It says in verse 4, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you and let those who love your salvation, love your salvation, continually, say continually, let God be magnified. We magnify the Lord. Magnifying his name means to ascribe greatness to him. And what greater reason to magnify the name of the Lord than because of his salvation through Jesus Christ? We continually need to remember that. It says, let those who love your salvation say continually, continually remember how God saved you. Each of us has a story. What did he save you from? Where were you when God reached out and finally got your attention? What was the situation you found yourself in? And remember where he took you from and where he's brought you now. And don't forget, bring to remembrance. And then David's inviting all those who know God to join him in exalting God. And then in verse 5 it says, But I am poor and needy. Remember our poverty. Not our financial poverty necessarily 
but our spiritual poverty. Because we're truly all needy in spiritual things. We need the Lord in our life. Or else we are poor. It says in Matthew 5.3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we recognize our poverty in spiritual things, we then can have everything that God wants for us. It's, it's until we humble ourselves and recognize our need that he won't, he won't be able to give us all that He has for us. So it says in Matthew 5.3 in, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Why are we blessed if we're poor in spirit? Because we recognize our poverty, we recognize our need, we call upon the Lord to fill those needs, and then He blesses us because of it. It's an awesome chain of events that takes place. And then remember that He is the one who will deliver us, deliver us from whatever situations we find ourselves in. Whatever things, maybe we're caught up in, in persistent sin, He will deliver you from that. Maybe you have difficulty with a relation, relationship in your life. He will deliver you from that. Remember His faithfulness to deliver us. And we'll move on to Psalm 71. It says in verses 1 through 4, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be, be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. Trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. To trust in the Lord is to remove our, the trust that we have in, our, in ourselves. See, we can't do both. We need to fully trust and rely on the Lord. And we need to get the trust and reliance off of ourselves and our own abilities. The contrast between putting our faith in Him and, and putting our faith in ourselves is that He will bring us confidence in Him. Our confidence is in the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord. Everything that we do for the Lord is because of His awesome working in our lives, not anything of ourselves. And He will humble us. We need to remain humble in that. So it's a contrast. We trust in Him. We, we remain hum, hum, humble in our own abilities. Because we know that in Him, He can accomplish great things in our lives. As He works through us, He can do awesome things. In ourselves, we can do nothing. But in Him, great things may be accomplished. Trusting in ourselves also brings disgrace upon God because we don't allow Him to be in control of our lives. We continue to try to grab back control of our lives. It's when we release that to Him that we 
honor Him, that we show Him that we really, truly trust in Him. Then in verse 2, David's prayer for God's righteousness to be the standard by which we are delivered. We are not delivered by our own righteousness. If we measure ourselves by others, we always look pretty good. Oh, I'm not as bad as that one, or I'm not as bad as that one. We, we, it, the standard by which we measure ourselves will show us where we really are. See, if we measure ourselves by God's standards, then we need Him to intercede for us. We need Him to deliver us in His righteousness. Salvation comes to those who recognize their inability, and fall on the rock that is Jesus Christ. So again, it's that contrast, trusting in the Lord, believing in His salvation, and believing that in His righteousness we are saved, and nothing, that, nothing in our own works can save us. And then in verse 3, the Lord doesn't keep track of the times that we come to Him for protection. He will continue to deliver us as many times as we need to be delivered. It says here, Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. Why would David say that, continually? Well, because a lot of times we go through the same situations over and over and over again. We find ourselves, not necessarily even by our own doing, but it's just the way of life. We find ourselves in the same situation over and over. How many times we had to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, in this situation, I know I've come to you before. I'm coming to you again. You know, I, I know I may sound like a, a, a persistent little kid. I'm coming to you again, Father. Get me out of this situation. You know, and, and sometimes we even feel like, like God, God won't receive our prayers if we've come to Him this, with the same situation time after time after time, we think that He grows tired, He grows weary, He grows impatient with us. Uh, turn with me to Luke 18, and I think it's going to show up on the screen there too, if you don't go get there fast enough. little help. I want to hear the pages turning though. I like to hear the pages turning. <laughs> being persistent in prayer, being someone who doesn't feel ashamed to go to God with the same thing over and over again, knowing His heart. See, we need to know God's heart in these things. We need to know that He wants us to come to Him. Luke 18, verses 1 through 7. Then He, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I love that. We ought to pray and not lose heart. So our prayer is mixed with confidence in who we're praying to. Our prayer is always mixed with that assurance, that, that knowledge that God hears us, and that no matter how many times we come to Him, we won't lose heart. We won't lose heart. Verse 2 saying, There was a in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Doesn't sound like a nice guy. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, 
get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, speaking of the judge. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. She weary me. So in other words, the judge is saying, I'm just going to deal with this to get her out of my hair, basically. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. This is a contrast, this next verse. And shall, not, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? What a beautiful contrast. If this wicked judge, who didn't regard God or man, he really couldn't care less, he just you know, was, a, was, a paid, was in a paid position of the government to put down his judgments. If he eventually got convinced by this persistent woman who kept coming to him, how much more God, our Father, who loves us, would he answer us if we cry out to him day and night? He's long-suffering with us. He bears long with us. So he wants us to continue to come to him in prayers, no matter how many times. Back to the psalm in verses 5 through 8. For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. The psalmist offering praise to God because he has kept him from his youth. You know, for those of us who have, have, who have a couple of years behind us, we look back and we say, thank you, Lord, you know, for all the years. I thank God because it was 40 years before I, I came into a relationship with God. Thank you, God, for keeping me all those years in my youth until I, real, until I finally came into that relationship with you. You know, how many miss out on that, you know, that didn't come to the Lord in their youth? When, when those who have a relationship with the Lord come in their youth, they're blessed to have many years ahead of them, you know, as a child of God. But, you know, many of us also missed out on a lot of years. So we thank Him in either, either way, whether we came to Him as a youngster, or in our youth as a child even, or as a young adult, or we came to Him later on. And then, you know, teaching our children to trust in God. You know, means that they'll have a good long life ahead of them in a relationship with the Lord. You know, and, and not, you know, just, just teaching them those things of God from their youth. Instilling that foundation of, of a relationship, you know, from a, young, from a young child. And then continuing in that vein, verse 9, he says, Do not cast me off. In the time of old age, 
Do not forsake me when my strength fails. fails. So here David is, is praying. You know, he's thanking God for, his, for the years that he had in, in a relationship with him. He's also saying here, in my old age, when my strength fails, maybe when my mind starts to go, when my, my, uh, I, I can't think as sharp as I was when I was young, don't fail me, God. Don't cast me off at that time. Some of us can relate to that. We get older, we get weaker, and we pray that the Lord will continue to bless us. You know, as our bodies start to break down, you know, Lord, continue to use me. You know, that's another prayer for those who have a few years behind them. Continue to use me. Make me relevant, Lord, in this world for you. You know, that, that there's a place, there's a great place for the, for the mature believer, you know, within the, within the body of Christ. You know, a great place with, from their experience, from what they've been through. So God has a, has a purpose for, for you know, those who are, who are older in the Lord, more mature in, in the Lord. And as we go through trials, many times as we get older, there are different trials and different struggles we go through. You know, we pray that God won't forsake us in those things. A lot of times in our youth, you know, we're, uh, we don't seem to have as many problems. As we get older, we seem to have more. But, you know, God still wants to bless us in those. And that was David's prayer there. Then in verses 10 through 13, it says, For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. Again, David repeats that as we respond to adversity in our life, it's either going to cause our enemies to, to, you know, to sort of turn away or cause them to come against us. Because they'll see, if we respond to adversity in a way that doesn't trust the Lord, that, that is always anxious about things, then they'll see an open door. You know, there's always that, there's always that crack of, uh, you know, in, in the armor you know, that the enemy wants to see. And they'll work their way in. So for us, and for David here, he's saying... He's saying that those who lie in wait for him see something in him that's a little break in the armor, that they can get in. Because they say God has forsaken him. So obviously, he's not responding in the right way to what's going on in his life. Let, let, let that not happen to us. You know, remain strong in the Lord so that those, so that those who are against us don't see that weakness there. That they don't see, see us and uh, how we respond and seek to hurt us when they see a weakness. They sense, they sense that maybe our strength is waning and they'll try to get in. So David's prayer there is that that not happen to him and, and that's a good prayer for us too. 
verses 14 through 16, continues, But I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all the day. For I do not, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. So here, we don't go in our own strength. We go in the strength of God. When we are weak, our strength comes from the Lord. And Steve, could you just put up 2 Corinthians 12, 10? Therefore, Paul writes, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Why would he say that? Except that he's putting his faith and trust in Jesus for his strength. So like David says here, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Go in his strength. Don't go in your own strength. One more verse from 2 Corinthians 13.4. For though he was crucified in weakness, Jesus, yet he lives by the power of God. For, also, for we also are weak in Him. See, we fall on Him in our weakness. But we shall live with Him by the power of God toward you. Our power comes from the Lord. We cast our cares upon Him, the Bible says, because He cares for us. We cast our weakness at His feet and allow His strength and His power to work through us. And that's how we survive in this world, in his strength, not our own. Back to Psalm 71. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Again, David, obviously, I have a feeling here in this psalm he's feeling his age, he mentions it again. You have taught me from my youth. This is David's testimony to a life of faithfulness from the Lord. Think about this. In verse 17, he's speaking of his youth and the way he was taught in his youth about the ways of God. And then he's speaking and he says, and to this day, in his middle ages, he's declaring God's grace. And then his prayer, when I'm old and gray-headed. So he's trying to cover his whole life here. Youth, middle age, and, and old. All within God's grace. Continued presence of the Lord he's praying for as he approaches his maturity. You know, and, and we, can re we who are gray-headed can relate to that. Or no-headed. I mean, no hair. No <laughs> No hair, anyway. Bald. But, you know, we, we can relate. We see, the, we see the beautiful, his whole life there that the Lord was working in, from his youth to his middle age to his, to his old age that he's praying for. Vinny, you'll edit that out, right? Okay. Verses 19 through 21. And continue in the psalm. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You have done great things. O God, who is like you? You have shown me great and severe troubles. Shall revive me again and bring me up 
again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. David's praising God here for his awesome works, but he's also, look, he's also praising him for his troubles. You who have done great things, O God, you who have shown me great and severe troubles. Why? See, God shows us adversity in order to show us his grace. He shows us troubles in order to bring us to maturity. He brings us low in order to raise us up again. In Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 5, And you shall remember that the Lord God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, speaking of the, of the nation of Israel, to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, God allows these things, even tests us in adversities, to see how we would respond. Verse 3, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Why does God humble us except to then cause us to look to him? for our deliverance. He humbles us so we'll recognize where our sustenance comes from. Comes from comes from the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell those 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. So he loves us, yet he chastens us. He loves us, yet he allows us to be humbled. He loves us and he brings us low in order that he may raise us up again. And he brings comfort, says in verse 21, and comfort me on every side. So the Lord allows those things, and then he raises us up, he lifts us up. And then the last few verses here, also with the lute I will praise you, and your faithfulness, O oh my God, to you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul, which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. Worship, 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 worship. This is what this, these verses are all about. Praising the Lord for his faithfulness. Praising the Lord for his righteousness praising the Lord for his protection, singing his praises, speaking of his praises. David is saying in all the ways that we can, give glory to God in, in every way that we can. In all that we do, it says in the word, give glory to God. So that's what David is saying. Just praise him, praise him for everything that he does. And then in Psalm 72, Psalm 72, a psalm of Solomon. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. A psalm of Solomon, by Solomon, regarding Solomon, um, probably the thoughts of David, 
uh, maybe in his latter years, uh, regarding Solomon, the instructions given to his son before taking reign of the kingdom, maybe uttered on his deathbed, you know, and, and maybe written down by Solomon. So this, this psalm here is sort of a transitional psalm. And that's why it ends this, this second book of the psalms. We'll see it transition out. Less, less and less of the psalms going forward are, are, are written by David. But it says there, Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. His prayer here for his son to have God's judgments. The psalm also can be attributed to as a messianic psalm to Jesus, who will rule in righteousness, rule in justice, will have God's judgments when he rules. But think about the practicality of receiving instructions, even in our workplaces, you know, receiving good instructions before taking over a demanding position. You know, I, 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 know, I know someone in particular who's training their, sort of training their replacement these last few weeks. You know, how, how much easier it is when you come into a new position that you've got good training, good instruction behind you from the one who went before you. The kingship in Israel was not only a political position, but it was a theocratic position also. So, you know, there was, there was, it was a dual position because it was given by the Lord, but they also had to deal with national issues, political issues. Having godly counsel is important. You know, we think back even in the, even in the United States of the, the presidents or the, or the leaders who have had godly counsel. You know, a lot of them have come forward since being in office and have related those stories about how they were in prayer through difficult times and they sought godly counsel to get them through difficult times, you know, in the country. And so that's a good thing. That's a good thing, receiving good instructions. And then in Proverbs, Solomon passes the instructions on from... Uh, in, in Proverbs, Solomon actually speaks of these instructions that he received from David. I think we have Proverbs 4. Listen to what Solomon says here. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. These are good instructions from David to Solomon. And so he's sort of letting us get a little insight into that father-son relationship. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, speaking of wisdom, and, and she will preserve you. Love her, speaking of wisdom, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. How many times did he say wisdom? And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. We pray. We pray for wisdom, godly wisdom, for ourselves, for making decisions. 
for our leaders, that they may make wise decisions. So David is praying in verse 1 for God's wisdom, not man's. God's wisdom. And David prays again and he continues to pray. And God heard David's prayer. God heard it. Verses 2 through 8, back in the psalm. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. He will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days the righteous shall flourish and the abundance and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The, the wisdom that David prayed for for his son Solomon as he was going in to take control of the nation. How, how important that is. Solomon prayed for wisdom himself also. Just another scripture here in Second Chronicles. Listen to Solomon as he's just beginning his kingship. In verses 7 through 12 of Second Chronicles 1, it says, On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And what would we have said if God said, Ask, what shall I give you? But Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David, my father, and made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I made you king, Wisdom and knowledge are granted you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you, nor shall after you have the like. Wow. So Solomon prays for wisdom, not riches, and what does he get? Wisdom and riches. That's God. That's God giving abundantly more than we could even ask or think, as the Bible says. So our prayers should always be, God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Let me know your heart, God. Let me know your will, God, for my life. And then just rest in that. Rest that he knows what's best. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That verse speaks of not worrying about our day-to-day sustenance. God knows what you need. God knows what you have need of, the Bible says. But seek 
His kingdom. And then watch what He does when, when we're wise in those things. And remember, Solomon was believed to be not only the wisest man that ever lived, but the richest man that ever lived. So God really abundantly blessed him. Speaking of praying for our leaders, again, how you know the responsibilities of our leaders are tremendous. You know, they have a lot of weight on their shoulders. And we should be praying for them. You know, some of their responsibilities, judging the people, protecting the children, guarding the people from attacks, bringing peace upon the land, all of those things that, that, that leaders, national leaders have to deal with. They need our prayers. They need, they need to be strengthened and, and given, given wise counsel and, and discernment from the Lord. Then back in uh, Psalm 72, those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will, will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all the kings shall fall down before him. All the nations shall serve him. Again, the sign of a successful leader is that he has the respect of the surrounding nations. That's... That's something that, that, that shows that they're doing well. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and the needy. He will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. So again, praying for the leaders to have the best interests of the people at heart especially those who are truly the disadvantaged, the needy in society. And do it out of real concern. You know, because a, a lot of leaders offer help to those in need sort of to keep people dependent on the government so that their power can be increased. See, they don't really have pure motives for that. So we pray not only for for them to, have, to make wise decisions, but to have pure motives. That what they do is for the right reasons. And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. In other words, continue to pray for our leaders, praying for Solomon as he's taking over. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth. On the top of the mountains, its fruit shall wave like Lebanon. And those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. Again, praying for God's abundance, for a fruitful harvest, especially back, back then it was an agricultural society, you know, for a fruitful harvest because of righteous rule, you know, that God will bless. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Here, uh, a, a beautiful doxology, a beautiful expression of praise to God. Here the, in this, you know, blessing those who fear God. Jesus' name exalted above every name. It says here, His name shall continue as long as the sun. 
So again, just a, a beautiful uh, few verses here, maybe verses to even memorize, you know, or recite. When we want to give glory to God, go back to these verses and just recite them as your heart just shows you how awesome God is. And then the last verse, verse 20, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So he sort of tells us here that this is the end of a, of a certain section of the Psalms. There are some Psalms as we go forward that still are um, of David in origin. Um, the, uh, many interpreters see this second book as coinciding with the second book of the, of the uh, first five books of the Bible. Um, the first section of the Psalms coinciding with Genesis, which is uh, related to a lot of the Psalms spoke of God's awesome power in his creation and uh, also has the domin is dominated by sin and repentance. So sort of going along with, with Genesis. This book here, focuses a lot upon Israel's ruin and redemption, sort of coinciding with the book of Exodus. So uh, the next time we get together in the Psalms, we'll start book three of the Psalms. Uh, many of those Psalms written by Asaph, uh, Korah, uh, the sons of Korah, um, some by David, some by Solomon. So we'll see maybe a little different feel a different style to the Psalms as we go into that next book. And so, finished here, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended, and we're ended for the evening, so let's pray.